And like, if I were ever in a hiring manager position again, and I was shown two options of, you know, a person who seemingly knows everything and another person who doesn't, but is asking a lot of questions and I can find them all over the internet with their questions, I'd go with the latter person in a second. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. There we go. Uh, so what's going on this morning? Uh, not too much. Daniel's getting his cast off today, and I keep hearing throughout the house his updates of, only two hours and 45 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's great. It's not like he's got it on for the whole summer. Yeah, no kidding. He Well, he leaves for camp on Sunday, so okay. uh, it's just in time. And um, um really really relieved uh and surprised that he only needed it for three weeks uh, or three and a half weeks usually they go longer than that well that's good i'm uh yeah. i'm enjoying my 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 mocha i think i've come up with a recipe that's really enjoyable i, I, sh- I think i shared it with you jim where i'm uh brewing a, a shot of espresso over top of like a square of chocolate Yes. It's delicious. Yeah. Yes. No, I want to go out and get like one of those, the the, the chocolate that you're using. Because after I saw what you did um, using the Nespresso, I tried to make it myself. And the only like chocolate we had in the house was the, uh, was a thing at Trader Joe's dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. So with between the the Nespresso pot and the dark chocolate, it actually, the dark chocolate made it more bitter. Mm. So I need to find like a sweeter chocolate to try it again. So yes, um, you've got me hooked as well. Yeah. It's kind of like John with the Thai iced tea. (laughs) Which I need to get back into now that it's finally getting warm and by warm relatively like high seventies warm. I need to get Mm -hmm. back into the, uh, the Thai iced tea. Um, that is tasty. Also, um, man, I, I think I'm, I think I'm uh, spoiled a little bit with my grocery store down the street. Um, I found this local coffee roaster called pink elephant coffee roasters up in park city. Shout out to them. They, I, I can get like 10 to 14 day roasted beans and they, they roast small batch, um, single origin beans and it's mm-hmm. it's just absolutely delicious and fresh and and yummy that sounds all kinds nice. of fancy and uh i have no idea what any of it means kind of way um. it, it, it means that um so single origin and and they do this a lot in in chocolate and there's a crazy chocolatier here in Utah that you could go tour his factory. Um, so single origin is that the beans come from a single farm. Quick, quick question before you go get, get yeah. started: Is chocolatier like is he named like William or something like that? I just have to ask. He's not. <laughs> I, I actually don't know what his his name is. He's I think he's down in Provo or Orem. Um, and and Corey Spencer from Adobe actually was the one that introduced me to his chocolate, and it is. Uh, phenomenal i think it's called armino chocolates um and he does single origin chocolates and it just absolutely delicious but he he's a little i think i think you have to be i have another friend that um has a contact with a coffee guy in salt lake um that's really into the art of of coffee and he's a he's a little off too i think you kind of have to be (laughs) that's that's part of the that's part of the routine so no but so the single origin is just the beans are are secured from a single farm a single location um and and so with with a lot of the bigger manufacturers it's a blend and blends sometimes can be really good um as well just depending on your your production and what you're looking to do but a blend would be you know you would get 
beans from multiple locations, not even just multiple farms, but maybe multiple geographic locations, yeah. um, and you you blend them together. So these ones are usually single origin, so they're from a single location farm. And um, Pink Elephant and other small roasters, they do very small batch. So they, they're literally roasted in a, in a small building up in Park City. So they don't have a huge production where they can roast massive volumes at a time. So it's, it's much more, I guess, what, what would you call it? Artisanal? Yeah, so. that, that sounds very artisanal. Yes, yes. Still all taste like hot, bitter water to me. (laughs) I was talking to uh, Rudy Shumpert the other day, who's a a huge coffee uh, consumer. And, you know, I I recently bought a a home uh, espresso machine and really been getting into it and evaluating different beans and different things. And and I asked him, I'm like, so, you know, like, where where, where do you get your beans? Like, what roast? Because there's there's different flavors that come out. Um, They you know, when you're making espresso, they say you want really freshly roasted beans, but you shouldn't you shouldn't brew it sooner than 10 to 12 days. You have to kind of let it rest and bloom after it's been roasted. And so I'm like, this is so confusing. So I'm, I'm talking to Rudy. I'm like, so, so how long have the beans been roasted that you're using? He's like, I don't know, whatever, whatever they do at Costco. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I'd buy whatever's on the shelf. Yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, from what I remember of Rudy, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and pumpkin spice and all mm-hmm. of that and your coffee is. Yeah. Sufficient. Yeah, what grind setting are you using, Rudy? I don't know. Whatever they use to grind the beans, and when I buy it from, you know, fill in the blank. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Well, so so when I met Suzanne, when we first, when we first met, she um, whenever she 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 wasn't a big coffee drinker, but when she did, she would over sweeten it. And I'm like, <laughs> if, if you're adding in like all of these flavored creamers and sugar, it means you're drinking coffee. You're you're drinking coffee from a bean that is just too too bitter for you or it's not the right taste for you no, that's the and only I mean, way i I'm, ever could but, do it yeah it was super sweetened yeah. and disguised the coffee flavor as much as possible <laughs> yeah. yeah and um and like, i mean i am by no means in a, a a coffee aficionado but i do like i, I get my coffee from for, from a small roaster um and like i i get the whole beans i grind it myself and keep it in a canister in the, the closet or like in, in, in the cabinet and um you know i i just put like a little bit of cream just to to, to lighten it up and in the time since you know we, we first met i've uh I, I've spoiled her a bit now. So like when she goes over to her parents' house and her mom makes some coffee, she's just like, mom, this is awful. She's like, no, it's not. It's great. And she's like, no, mom, this is like battery acid. Oh, um, so it, it's just funny. Yeah. It's, it's she's like, you've ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it is, it is amazing how much the, the flavors differ. And, and not only with, with the beans, I think, I, I can't remember if we were talking about it on a podcast episode, but even I've been experimenting with just one bean and the, the grind settings, the pressure you put on it, the, um, the time that it takes to brew it, the temperature, like all of those things change the flavor without even changing the bean. So anyway, that's why I think lattes and, and cappuccinos are so popular is because they say that the lattes can cover up a lot of mistakes in the, in the production of a, of a shot of espresso. All right. So not that people are probably like, have we, did we stumble onto the wrong podcast? This is now a, a coffee podcast. No, it, no, it, it's no, actually, it's I, I think, I think it gives us a, you know, the, the, this week's random conversation gives us another good segue into the topic I want to, to discuss about. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about really understanding, you know, the, the various little details of making a, a good cup of coffee and, one of the things I want to talk about this week, or the, the the main topic I want to talk about this week, is ways to keep like your industry expertise up to date. Some of our recent podcasts have been a bit more general, of just you know learning different skills, um, you know just keeping up, um, 
just w- w- with broader sets of skills. But this way, I want to focus on the industry expertise. And Jen, I, I wanted you to join us this week because this is something that I, I see is something that you do extremely well. Oh, you know, being you. up to date on the the latest and and greatest of what's going on, being able to share that with not just us internally, but but everybody else. So if you, I mean, if you think about it, it's easy to get stuck in the day to day requirements uh, of 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 your job. I mean, we've all gotten sucked into that pattern. I, for one, know I get sucked into that pattern from time to time and um, I'm able to either pull myself out or sometimes need help getting pulled out of that pattern. Uh, But one of the major problems is if you're not careful with that, you get so focused on the present that your industry related skills can become dated quickly, especially if you work in an industry like ours that moves very, very fast. Um, If you're not careful, you, you know, you've more or less lost a step as the industry evolved. So what I want to talk about today, like what are some ways, whether it's, you know, broader, um, broader steps you could take, or, you know, maybe even more detailed tactical steps that you could take to ensure that you stay up to date on industry trends to keep your industry skill set as relevant and current as possible. Makes sense. And to me, it's, it's something that, uh, I think it'd be different uh, from a consulting perspective versus client side. Um, Because for me, part of it is merely just having different clients and being able to say, oh, this client is doing things differently from that client. Maybe I should learn more about the differences. Um, Whereas when you're just on one thing, it becomes a little bit easier to get kind of that myopic, not, not questioning things as much. So you don't get exposed necessarily to what other options there are out there and or if there are new options. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that that's really a, an answer or insight so much as just an observation of, uh, I'd imagine that would make a difference. And I have always fought for, uh, like when I, when I was at Adobe and I was on one client 40 hours a week and I had a few other side ones that I had taken on because, you know, they were in a jam or something like that. And then I refused to give up those side projects, even if it meant I was working over 40 hours a week, because it was just that they, that was the only way that I was going to grow career wise and learn new things was getting to go in and out of other projects and getting to compare things against each other and stuff. Um, So yeah, that's valid for consultants at least. (laughs) But even even when I am on just one big project, sometimes it's a matter of, uh, you know, in the evening, some of the side projects that I do of, you know, pocket SDR app or uh, the beacon parser and whatever it is um, that uh, I don't have a client to answer to. And I just get to experiment with whatever new things. And sometimes it makes me ask a lot of questions and see what works and what doesn't and, um, and all of that. And then lastly, of course, I'm going to put in a plug for Measure Slack because that's what I do because I really, really value Measure Slack. Um, that it's, it's been a really valuable way to see the different things, that we, uh, different ways that people are doing things and um, find out about new things. Adobe's pretty good about going in there with, you know, release notes and or just, you know, another practitioner says, oh, hey, I noticed this thing's different in in workspace what happened and then you know five people can chime in with a, oh yeah i've been using that it's great so yeah i think you you have a good point about client side versus consulting and i i think it's a reason why so many of us in in services are attracted to to this line of work is that you you really do get exposure across so many different things, whether it be different tools or industries or emerging trends. Um, that's one of the draws that I think so many of us um, uh, are, are really aligned with when it when it comes to, to working in services. It's also a potential downside. Um, and it's one of the frustrations that I've had working in services over the years, um, I think, as all of us on this on this episode have have probably had direct experience in that um, you know, typically, you know, you're, you're asked to be 38 ish hours billable a week, and then also learn new things, and you're just kind of burned out. Um, and so while, while you have the opportunity directly with with clients, you're kind of at the mercy of what you're exposed to with with clients, uh, which isn't bad. Um, but but you do kind of run that risk of just having that self exploration time. It's one of the things that I, I really enjoyed being actually client side 
Um, so when I worked for Spark Networks, it, it was very limited in industry scope. I knew a tremendous amount about online dating, uh, but didn't have a lot of experience uh, across other industries. But they had a Friday afternoon thing that they called Mingle Labs, where for you know Friday afternoon you could kind of spend doing whatever you want. It was really cool to see what what people did. Some people you know wanted to learn about new development technologies. Other people were getting into hardware. Um, some people were actually thinking about inventing new board games. So it was really cool just to see where people's thought process went. But I think a, a really important piece of it, whether you know you are at a client, you are consulting or whatever, is just prioritizing that time. It you know we we don't prioritize that time for ourselves to to continue learning. And if we don't, then it just gets sucked out because there's always something that you can fill up your your time with. So I think prioritizing it is is really critical especially in our space you, you guys know the um i think they call it the marketing the martech 5000 that that chart that has it, it looks like a uh george surratt painting with all of the different <laughs> solutions yeah i've you seen what it, i'm yes. talking about so i looked at this year's version and there are actually over seven thousand now named solutions in the marketing technology space that have been identified and put on that that um that map and there are, if you like follow LinkedIn, there are new ones coming out every week, it seems like. It, it's impossible, impossible to keep up. So I think if you're just trying to keep up without a strategy, it's it's overwhelming. Um, well, and the solutions themselves are changing faster. Like, yeah. you know, I, I joke that I, mean, I left the industry for a couple of years back in, you know, 2008 to 2010-ish, and I come back and nothing had changed. Um, <laughs> now... You know, you're out for a few months and, and it's all different. So, uh, but for me, I, I definitely agree that the prioritizing the time and, and all of that is important and you have to have time. But I'm not the type of person that learns from reading articles or watching videos or uh, it, it doesn't stick unless I get to apply it. And that's where I guess I'm, I'm not really sure what I would advise, uh, especially to folks that are client side or. Um, like I have a developer background, so I can, if I need a, uh, a pet project to experiment on, I can just whip one up. Um, what, what would you do or say to, uh, folks that need, uh, perhaps a, a project or something that they could experiment more on, or that would challenge them a little bit when that isn't built into their job function already? you know, I would say just do it because I I'm, I'm like you as well. Um, there are so many things that I want to learn and specifically I, I do a lot of just hacking around in Python, but I don't have a lot of direct applied things. And so it's, it's really difficult for things to stick for me in that, in that case. Um, I have to actually force it to be applied to something that I'm actually trying to solve. And I, and I think a lot of people are that way. Uh, going back to to working for a company, I think part of it is just maybe even breaking the rules a little bit or, yeah. or maybe not breaking the rules, but just doing what's not necessarily in your your direct job description. One of the stories that I love to share um, is back when I was working client side, we had a developer that built, uh, he, he wanted to learn about a new, um, new methodology, new coding language. And as part of that, he wanted to build a application that could help identify um, registration fraud. So I worked, we were, I worked for a site that was a reg to sub model, and he he built a solution that would evaluate new registrations coming in and and would basically score it to understand how likely it was to be fraud. And um, he wasn't told he could do it he wasn't you know it was just something he went and did and something that applied to a problem that he saw in the business and it ended up actually being adopted by the business and saving the company i want to say millions of dollars a year in in fraudulent activity and so you know i think that's one of those things where sometimes you just kind of have to go and and do things um, and if you're the type of person where it needs to be applied, look around. There's lots of problems to solve in your business. I, I guarantee it. And just pick something that applies to your business and align it with whatever it is that you're you're trying to learn. Yeah, I've definitely found that problem. Like with Google Analytics, I used to be 
GA certified and, you know, that only lasts for a year. And GA is definitely one of those tools that changes frequently enough. Um, and I, uh, you know, even just a year of being sucked fully into Adobe Analytics and then coming back to a GA project, um, I feel like I almost have to, like, choose a pet project site or, you know, say, oh, let me see how 33 Sticks is currently doing their GA and maybe uh, Jason won't mind if I completely redo it all just to get myself understanding the current limitations and best practices and whatever. Um, that's, yeah, it, you have to have time to do such things and you, you have to have, you know, I call it the mojo kind of <laughs> like you have to have the motivation um, yeah. uh, to, to do that. But it's it's important. Otherwise, seriously, the at least you know, if, at least looking in in this industry, and I'm, I'm super conscious right now because my microphone, I don't know why, is very sensitive. And if I turn my head, I'm hearing myself out of my left <laughs> and right ear, like I'm in some kind of weird stereo thing. So sorry. Um, now I lost my train of thought. But in in this space, it is it is super super important because you can be comfortable and just kind of flow. And then, as you mentioned, you could you know, either be out of the space or really just be heads down doing your job. And it doesn't take a long time uh, and you look up and the industry has gone in an entirely different direction. Uh, and that, and, you know, that worries me. That should worry everybody. I don't know if worry is the right, right word. That should motivate everybody yeah. to to really push themselves to to keep up with, with what is happening because it is so comfortable, especially if we want to f- you know, laser focus in on, on analytics and digital analytics, you know, we all, we all know, and we've had episodes talking about the, the challenge of, of talent shortage. It could be really easy to just float. Uh, but at some point in time, the forces are going to shift and it's those that are keeping up and ahead of the curve that are going to be in the the best position. And those as great as they are, that are, are comfortable and just saying, Hey, you know, this is where I'm going to plant my flag that, that, that may be left behind. And so, you know, you need to use that for motivation to continually be learning um, and balance it out with the fact that there's just no way you can keep up with everything. You just have yeah. to admit that there's just yeah. such a, even to your point, Jen, if we focus, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if we specialized on certain vendors, it, it's near impossible to keep up. So you just kind of have to admit that that you're never going to be able to fully keep up, but but have a plan and prioritize it. Um, I love the the idea of kind of just doing anything as an employer. Um, you know, if I had an employee come to me and said, "Hey, I, I want to use our Google Analytics instance to do," I'm, yeah, that's amazing. You know, um, so I think I think employers management um, would probably be more open to that than most people think to say, "Hey, I've identified a problem. I want to use some of my time to to attack it, and through that, learn about something new." Yeah, I. I- Rarely have had an employer say no. Um, I have had employers say, yeah, yeah, do that. Oh, uh, by the way, have you managed to do, you know, your 45 hours of work in 38 hours? <laughs> and then at the end of the day, uh, I, I just don't have that motivation. And to me, that's more of a sign of I need to, you know, talk to my employer perhaps and, and figure out a way that I have that brain space left. Um, and so kind of on a, another tangent. Um, I think part of it too is connecting with other folks in the industry, uh, especially if you are uh, the type that's, you know, stuck on one, one client, one project kind of thing. Um, you're not getting exposed as much to maybe some of the alternatives or efficiencies that you're missing out on. Um, how important it is to have other contacts, uh, ideally in, in your own space. Um, so if you're a hotel industry. But the, the main problem there is uh, the proprietariness of, of analytics and how much you're not supposed to share what you're doing. And um, yeah, I, I think it's that because that can be really hard. And I think it actually hurts everyone when uh, for legality or for whatever reason, you can't connect with others in, in your space. Uh, in any sort of meaningful way to to learn from each other and um, yeah see what things you can do better. Yeah, I do think that that's unfortunate, um, and, and not to say there aren't scenarios where it's it's well meaning and actually needed, sure. um, but I think for the most part it's it's an overreaction. Um, yeah. 
I, you know, I think there are businesses that just overreact to thinking that they have a special sauce that everyone doesn't have. And it's, it's, it's usually not true. Um, Either that or they're so and, ashamed of, of what they aren't doing great that they don't want to expose that either. That, that could be, that could be. <laughs> Can I, you tell them you know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> No, and you know, I ran into this early in my career where I had an employer that wouldn't allow me to talk. You know, I was having, I was getting opportunities to do webinars and speak and I had to do it under my own name. And it was, it was lame. Like I didn't have a personal brand. I'm like, I want to attach to actually working for a known company um, that I'm doing these things, but they, they wouldn't allow me to do it because they didn't want it to align with, you know, secrets that we have. And um, I, I think uh, most people that listen know I'm, I'm a foodie and I love to cook and, um, there's a, there's a whole kind of side conversation in the, in the culinary world around top chefs that produce cookbooks that, oh, you're just giving away the secrets, but to top chefs, they know that, that the actual ingredients and the steps aren't the secret. I can give you step-by-step step how to do it. That doesn't mean you can go and do it. There's something far greater than just the, the tactical steps of how something is, is done. And I've always thought that about a lot of things that we do in the analytics space and things that I've wanted to talk about and I've had employers shut me down to say, no, 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 that's our secret sauce. I'm like, it's just not. And even if it is, most companies aren't going to be able to execute on it. So why are we so afraid? Yep. Well, and I think sometimes too, that fear comes in at a personal level of you don't want to ask in say measure Slack or Twitter or at a conference or whatever, you know, what is it that folks are doing or, um, you don't want to do anything that that uh, might make it look like you don't already know everything and all the best practices and and everything. And um, one of the the best ways to learn is to just have the guts to ask questions that odds are other people are asking too, and you can all sort it out together. You are you are wise beyond your years, Jen Coons. Um, <laughs> But isn't yeah, so, so? You're saying be humble and be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but isn't isn't that isn't that really at the heart of the the problem? Um, that if you can't admit that you you don't know something, how are you ever going to learn? I I worked with a, a guy early on in my career that uh, was I don't know what it was psychologically, but he never could admit could admit that he didn't know something. And even when he needed help, he would phrase it in a way that he was, he already knew this, but he was just for some reason forgetting it. And, and you would help him and he would say, oh yeah, 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 I knew that. I knew that. And I've kind of watched the arc of his career and it's been fairly flat. And I think a big part of it has been, if you convince yourself that you already know everything, then psychologically, what motivation do you have to go out and learn new things? Because I think you've already convinced your brain that you know everything, that there really is no desire. And so, you know, I, I get it from a positioning standpoint, especially if, you know, you're like us and you work in services. Um, it seems scary to admit that you don't know things because we're supposed to be the expert. But we don't know everything. We haven't seen everything. Um, we've seen a lot, but we're, we're still learning as well. And if you if you if you move to that place where you've convinced yourself that you know everything, I think that's a really, really dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of a cliche you know, that, that I've heard is, you know, certainty is the opposite of knowledge. Hmm. Because when you're certain about something, when you're firm about something, you're not open to, to new ideas. And in this case, like, you know, focusing on this particular conversation, if you, if you're certain, you know, everything, you're not going to be looking out for the new ways of doing things, the new technologies, just the new best practices as the, the, the greater digital ecosystem continues to, to evolve. So I think going back to, to Jen's point about, you know, being humble, being vulnerable and, um, looking to see what else other people may know is definitely one way to go about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested from Jim and Jen, both of your perspectives, if you've had past employers or maybe you have friends that you know that um, have been in employers that have really valued the ability to continue to learn um, and push what you can do things that they've deployed that have been really useful in, in that kind of continuing education realm. 
Um, unfortunately, most of mine are more instances of, of I had to do it on my own, uh, other than my current employer. <laughs> um, but uh, like I was hinting at earlier, even if the employer is super supportive and, and wants, like, you know, gives you the permission or uh, resources that you need, uh, it's often just not prioritized enough that your your day-to-day job is still clearly the thing that you're expected to uh, to do first and any other learning comes after. Um, and then certainly at really big orgs, uh, I've had the problem of, of you don't want to, to make it look like you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, got to be super careful about that. Um, and I've, I don't know, I've been very lucky that uh, I've been in enough positions where I can say, eh, I've, I've worked <laughs> up this brand reputation um, that I can ask publicly and like, I don't have to worry about people thinking I utterly don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and that's, that's the funny thing to me is because, you know, on measure slacker, uh, Twitter or whatever, you know, there are a lot of people who look at me as, you know, a, a, the DTM or launch subject matter expert and, and all of that, not to toot my own horn, but I'm also asking questions a lot too. And uh, like, I am not just a fount of knowledge in there. I, uh, man, I feel like I'm going to come off as so cocky in saying all of this, but um, <laughs> going to just call it what it is. And, and uh, yeah, uh, so much of what I'm asking or doing is asking questions and admitting the things that I don't know. And fortunately, if you do that often enough, then people just realize that you're the type of person to ask questions and or you must be doing a lot of, of cool things to be coming up with those questions or, uh, you know, you're probably getting answers for all those questions. So you probably know a lot um, and or you're asking questions that they themselves were thinking. So um, uh, it shows, you know, that you're taking initiative to get the answers. So I think that helps a lot, too. And I, I think that's a huge reason why you are as talented and smart as you are is you've overcome that, or maybe it's just self-confidence. Um, I, so, right. I, I, I mean, uh, and she, shamelessness, <laughs> self-confidence. <laughs> but, it, but it is part of the equation, you know, and, and maybe this is a whole separate podcast topic, but I, I think that so many people limit what they can learn because they're they're doing so in in isolation and kind of the shadows because they there's a certain image they have or expectation that they have that they know all of these things and that asking for help or admitting they don't know something is some kind of a, a weakness which which it really isn't you know if if someone came to you and admitted that to you in in confidence what do you tell them? Because it, it isn't a weakness, right? It's something that if they truly want to learn, they they really need to overcome. Well, and we're lucky because we're in an industry, I think I probably even said it in the podcast before, but nobody defaulted into this industry. Nobody came into it because they it was an easy major at their university or something. Um, everyone who's here is here because at some point they were motivated and adaptable and um, excited by the technology, but the, you know, they've shown that they were uh, willing to dive into kind of unknown territory. Um, and we need to not forget that because the industry really is full of smart people who adapt and who are all trying to learn quickly with this ever-changing technology. Um, and it's it's been really interesting as I have more and more clients that are in kind of these shared spaces where I ask questions and get answers and, and things like that, where I've had to, to pause a moment and be like, oh, this is the question the client just asked me. The client is in this forum, too, and we'll see when I ask the broader group. <laughs> I um, have done that. I have yeah. done this as well. I've absolutely. Yeah, no, I've, I've gotten more, more used to more and more used to doing it. Um, and to be honest, I think of like in my life, who are the experts that I pay that, you know, don't ever let on that they don't know everything, uh, doctors, like uh, how much would I love to see my doctor on, you know, the internet or something somewhere asking, Hey, I have a patient who has this kind of odd thing going on. Do have, has anyone else experienced? I would love that <laughs> rather than just having someone who, who says they know it all and isn't going to question it or branch out at all to, to figure out the answers. I'd much rather someone who's a little bit more humble and willing to 
work with me and, you know, acknowledge that I have my own, I bring my own intelligence, you know, to the conversation. So uh, they have the resources and um, that, that maybe I don't have full access to. Let's team up. Uh, and I think it can be much the same uh, with experts within our field. Um, you know, I value the expert that that's willing to question it. Question yeah. things. Yeah. So there's, there's a great tool song called third eye. Um, and the intro I think is Timothy Leary speaking and, um, part of his monologue, he, he says something like, um, to, to think for yourself, you must question authority and learn to put yourself. And this is the important part in a state of vulnerability, open-mindedness, chaotic, confused vulnerability to inform yourself. Like, I think we keep hitting on this, (laughs) (laughs) this importance of, being vulnerable and 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 that being okay and that's how we inform ourselves that's how we learn is by by being in that state of vulnerability yeah i'm gonna have to link up the uh that tool song it's, <laughs> I, i'm a huge fan of, of tool their lyrics and their anyway good good stuff there um jim thoughts yeah, a bunch of stuff going through through my head at, at, at the moment, and yeah, I think we we keep hitting on on the same thing of, of being vulnerable and and letting go of of the ego, um, and not always feeling like you you have to be um, the, the the expert because I think like going back to what we were talking about before, um, you know, throughout my most of my career, you know. Um, employers that, that, that I've worked for, they've, you know, they, they've loved when I've come up with new ideas, but again, as long as I get my 38 hours of, of, of client work in for the week, you know, and, and, you know, anything else I could find. And, you know, if you, you know, take some of my own time to, to come up with new ways of doing things, but, you know, to, to, to get around that, a lot of times what I've worked with is, you know, f- you know find those clients and build the rapport with clients who have wanted to, to experiment. And yes, this is where it's being a bit humble. It's, it's being very open. And, you know, you're, you know, you set the expectation, like we're not going to do anything crazy that say brings down the site. You know, we're, we're going to make sure that we test everything out to not break the site, uh, break the analytics, not break any of the marketing technology. That being said, I came across this new idea and I don't necessarily have my own individual sandbox to test this, but can we use yours? And if this works, you know, this is what you get from it. Like, this is what we're able to, to use. And a lot of times I found that they're game for that. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to, to experiment with that. So that, that, that's one way there. And yeah, I really wanted to get people's thoughts around just like talking, you know, like using tools like Measure Slack and whatnot, because I'll be honest, like that's one area I know I struggle in, um, just being an introvert like, like I am. Um, you know, the, 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 there's just times where it's, you know, kind of building that rapport with people can, can, can be tough for me. So I've always kind of shied away from it, even though I know I would probably get tremendous benefit from it. I would yeah. think as an introvert, you would be more inclined to to a platform like that. But it's interesting that, that that's your perspective. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's just some days like, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just fried <laughs> and I'm like, I'm done talking with people right now. I just kind of want to go, you know, pick up my son and just go chill. Yeah. Whereas for me, I, I'm the type of introvert where I'm like, yay, I don't have to actually interact with people. Uh, I can, I can talk to them, <laughs> you know, digitally and, and all of that. But um, for me, uh, folks, uh, whenever I get comments on how much I I spend time on there, and uh, they were showing the most, the person who responds the most in various channels and things like that, and um, to me it was almost a point of shame that I'm like, oh, I spend a lot of time in there, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, part of it is um, that kind of curiosity and um, wanting to see what else is going on. To be honest, some of it is just straight up ADHD of you know my my day job, uh, my, my launch library is building. That's going to take 10 seconds. What am I going to do in the, oh, let's go check out what's going on in measure five. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, some of that is just, you know, my own personality. Um, and it used to be Twitter before it was measure Slack. Um, yeah. So. Speaking of Twitter, uh, the one thing I missed from years back was when Jorgen was part of uh, 
Adobe Client mm-hmm. Care and even before that, like Omniture Client Care, mm-hmm. and he was on Twitter and just being able to say, I'm seeing something weird. Can you take a look at this? And in an hour or two, you'd have a, yeah. a response back and you know, just learning little tidbits of when you broke something, you know, from when you broke yeah. something. No, that that was the best. And and you still get that kind of interaction all the time um, within Measure Slack now. It, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Um, Adobe has gotten so good about that, that uh, you can get the right people seeing your questions and being responsive. If it isn't another practitioner or consultant, it's somebody straight up from Adobe, um, either client care or consulting or whatever. Um, and... Uh, and right now everything's very Adobe centric, but the same is true for GTM and GA. Uh, there are uh, within Slack or elsewhere, there are great communities that you can ask uh, questions and and get answers. Maybe uh, not quite so much directly from the uh, product developers, <laughs> but uh, certainly from knowledgeable folks. So you know, I, I might have to actually give it a try. Give measure slack <laughs> a try and. You know, I may just turn into a lurker, but uh, you know, you you need a guide. Uh, you should for the second. You half should of- hire Jen to guide you because it can be very overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, no, in all seriousness, like you make it like a goal for the second half of the year to to be a bit more interactive there and try to you know overcome that challenge I have with just again just like sometimes just like okay I just want to <laughs> yeah. And just want to be left, want to be left alone for an hour or two to decompress. So I'm going to put you both on the spot here. Um, one of the things that we talk about openly is that our our goal with with all of our client engagements is to make people successful, and it's it's not generic people; it's individual people. Our our goal is to align with actual people that we work with and make them successful. So I'm going to put you both on the spot to say. What would you recommend um, if one of your clients came to you and said, hey, Jim, hey, Jen, I'm, I'm super new into this space. I'm so excited that we're connected with you guys. And I love that this is your model. Uh, I want to learn more about analytics. Um, it's not my background, but it's something that I'm really excited about getting into. I'm overwhelmed. Help, like, help me get started. Help give me some some structure for how I can start learning about some of the the things in this space. What would you recommend? Well, didn't we have a podcast on this very topic <laughs> at some point? We did. But um, again, it's so hard because of the applied knowledge aspect of, I can't just say, go read this book or blog or whatever. Um, but usually my recommendation is going to be get your hands on an instance, a website, a whatever that you can dive in and mess around with things. Um, that's that's going to be the best way to learn and then be humble enough to, to ask questions in public forums and stuff because not only will you get answers, but it'll connect you to other people who are doing the same thing and asking the same questions. Um, and uh, that's, that's going to be uh, kind of your lifeline as you're learning. Yeah. One of the things I've done in recent years is, you know, spend the money and it's, it, it, it's not a lot of money, but you know, it, it, it's a little bit, but to have um, like a vanity domain mm-hmm. and a hosting plan and, and the hosting plan that I have has an installer for, you know, some of your most common platforms. You know, so you don't even have to know how to install it. The installer will run such as WordPress, you know, that, that, that that's a common content uh, publisher platform that that, that, that many use, um, as well as Magento. Magento is um, a, a popular e-commerce platform, and it's something that's easy to to set up. So, depending upon like you know the, the, the verticals you work in, you know, spending the money on that and being able to put up like your own little vanity URL and being able to do. Um, just, 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 just experiment, go and push buttons, like, you know, deploy, uh, the latest version of GTM, deploy the latest version of Google analytics and push buttons and see what th- things do and what breaks things. Cause if you take it on that site, then I mean, th- 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 there, there's no loss again, when you get to the advanced stages, you can do what I was talking about 
earlier, where it's, you know, to keep up with things is working with clients who want to, to experiment a bit, um, just because you know, at that point, what buttons to push and what mm-hmm. not to push and how to really test to make sure you're not pushing something, you know, tremendously bad out to production. Uh, but that said, you know, getting started, spend the money, um, or at least the, the, this is what I've done. This is my, my personal, you know, uh, experience. Um, have like your own little vanity URL uh, with some kind of dummy site that you can just deploy things and, and see what happens. And then from there, it's you you just slowly start to to build the knowledge and, you know, it'll help you fall, fall down faster. Yeah. Um, by being able to do that, you're going to learn the critical things not to do, <laughs> you know, right away. Um, so that that's going to give you a, a, a step ahead of, of others who haven't taken that step. Um, and then maybe I wouldn't necessarily recommend measure Slack out of the gate, just because for someone who's new, that might be just the fire hose of conversations, but just recommending key folks to, to follow in the industry. Um that you know they're the ones that actually uh, go out to actually share knowledge with with others because that's how i i've also gotten my start like i own this podcast i've made it you know I, i've made no secret that when i made a pivot 10 years ago from financial reporting software to digital analytics implementation um one of the things that really helped me get my start was just the the content pushed out by jason and and ben Gaines mm-hmm. as well um, and, and reading what they put out. And, you know, again, that's where some, I got some of my ideas. So recommending people to individual people to follow as a start and then eventually work up to the, the community at large, because then you, you'll be able to better navigate some of the See, I actually disagree a little bit that I'd say throw them into Measure Slack to begin with and just... Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. Um, I have opinions. Uh, no, I, I'd say throw in, throw yourself in there and just get rid of any expectation or pressure to keep up with it. Cause that's not going to happen. Um, but rather being in there so that you don't, uh, you have a place to ask questions. And if your only interaction is once a week to go in there and say, I'm trying to do this thing and I don't know how to do it. Um, do that. It, even that is valuable. Even if, you know, somebody asked the same question three days ago. Well, okay, ideally not that, and you'd be searching. But, um, but getting over the fear of is this the right place to ask this, and or um, you know anything that might hold you back from just interacting with folks. I, I'd say go in there, be overwhelmed, ignore the stuff that's overwhelming to you, and even if it's a one-sided, you only go in there when you have questions to ask. Do it. <laughs> um, I think that's one of the best ways to dive in. Dig it. <laughs> and we need, and we need, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we need, we need Jen on the, the podcast more. Um, well, speaking of darn technology to work for me, I'm cursed. So we, we had, we had a little bump getting started, but. It, fingers crossed through this whole recording, it has gone insanely smooth for a Jan Coons podcast episode. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. Um, <laughs> and and we're at a good chunk in, so you know that's a. It, it must be some kind of a of a sign. Um, but speaking of content, um, people love Jen's content. Jen has a, a really good way of sharing things that um, makes complex topics easier to to understand so shucks well thank you you know well and Uh, and i think some of that does come back to the being vulnerable Uh, like let's take this one that i i just published on friday or whatever the about direct call rules that i have to worry a little bit about like is this really the best way of doing it is somebody else going to call me out on oh you know you can just do this instead um like that's that's happened before um where you just have to go out there and it's okay to even take on the persona a little bit of of this is what i think is best and i'd love to hear how other people are doing it and not coming at it from a i'm blogging about this because i know everything about it um i it it makes a big difference to um, yeah you know, you don't come off as, as a goober when you do get something wrong because you goober. never pretended to be 
uh, omniscient. Um, uh, yeah, it, it comes back. And, and, don't, and, and don't you think that most people see through that? Oh, yeah, I, totally. I, right? And and if you're looking at building a strong network of of people, I, I think people would much rather spend time and, and learn from, from people that are authentic rather than trying to put on a, a mask that they're something that they're not. That's my hope. <laughs> that's my that's my approach to the career is, you know, be be uh, be authentic and people are more forgiving. <laughs> um, it's worked so far. Excellent. Well, this has been a good conversation, um, Jim. I'm not sure if it ended up going entirely down the path that you had intended, but uh, I think we've we've come up with some really good things and thought provoking topics and i think if nothing else we we've touched on i think the most important piece of it is that you know you don't have to know everything in fact putting that mask on that you know everything actually ends up holding you back and and being vulnerable being authentic uh has a massive upside when it comes to learning and keeping up with industries especially industries like this that are moving so insanely quick Yep. And like, if I were ever in a hiring manager position again, and I was shown two options of, you know, a person who seemingly knows everything and another person who doesn't, but is asking a lot of questions, and I can find them all over the internet with their questions, I'd go with the latter person in a second. Um, I, I don't know that all orgs would do that. But at least for me, that shows someone who's in, uh, curious and motivated, and yeah. uh, not being held back by perception so yeah absolutely jim final thoughts um i mean i I think this was overall great and uh yeah it hit on the the the, the key topics or like the key components of the topic that i wanted to you know to talk about you know whether it's the you know how do you keep the you know the hard skills up to date um and then also the the aspect of just you know talking with others in yeah you know, in the industry. One one thing about our industry that I picked up on right away years ago was just how open and friendly it was versus say other industries where, you know, they work for another company. So by default, their competition, do not talk to them. Um, Do not look to get ideas from them and and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I really don't have much more to say than what we've already discussed. So, you know, to prevent us from just uh, starting to, to repeat ourselves, I think we can uh, wrap up for now. I think this was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, Thank agreed. You. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Jen, thanks so much. I enjoyed it. <laughs> cool, then. Um, then we will uh, we'll talk to everybody later. Later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.